gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. And this is episode 240. Hope you enjoyed 239. Wasn't it cool to have Victor back? That was fun. We talked about Invincible. That was very cool. Uh, today, we're going to interview a voice actor, you know, because you know this podcast loves voice actors. There has never been a voice actor that wasn't nice. That's one of the interesting things. Think about it. Kevin Conroy, Rob Paulson, Jess Harnell, Susan Eisenberg, Phil Lamar, uh, Steve Bloom, like every voice actor we have had. Carrie Walgren, um, Diedrich Bader, like they're all amazing. And uh, Michael Rosenbaum. I'm just thinking about all of the people who have been on this show. And today is no break from that. Billy West. Billy West is an iconic voice actor. He was both Ren and Stimpy. Uh, He was Bugs Bunny in Space Jam. Dozens of other characters. But he was also on the Howard Stern Show. And you know I come from a radio background. So having Billy West on the show is really, really cool. So that's coming up on the podcast. And, you know, we've been talking on the podcast about this poker tournament. And I have all the details, finally. The poker tournament is called the Underdog Free Roll Invitational. And it's presented by Ignition Casino. And I have all the rules. And it is going to take place at 3.05 Eastern Time on Sunday, July 11th. Anyone can register. And all you need to do is go to their website. You can either download the poker software or just play through your browser at ignitioncasino.eu. If you register with the password underdog21, underdog21, and you can do this immediately. You, You can do this as soon as you hear these words. Go to this website and type in the password underdog21. Do me a favor. Let me know on social media, whether it's on Twitter, at Seth underscore Everett, or Instagram, Seth Everett with an underscore at the end. Don't ask. Uh, You can hit me up on Facebook if you follow me on Facebook. Just let me know that you registered and register with the password underdog21. So you go to the scheduled tournaments poker lobby and you find the tournament under the regular tab. Tournaments are listed in chronological order, so go to July 11, 305, and you'll see the Underdog Free Roll Invitational will be listed. And you can click Register and enter in the exclusive password, Underdog21. Once registered, you just need to log in at game time, 305, on July 11th. It's a Sunday, and the tournament will automatically start. 
Free roll is open to all players with the exclusive password and no deposit is required to play. Standard rollover requirements apply. Now, I will be playing on that day. There will be a minimum $25 bounty on my head and it'll be awarded to the player who knocks me out. If we get more than 250 players playing, then the bounties will be increased to $50. If you get more than 500 players playing, the bounties are $100. So let's get 500 listeners of the Hall of Justice to get into the tournament. Bounties will be credited to the players' accounts within 48 hours of the tournament. You can follow me on Twitter. I will post all of this. I will put all of the rules on my Twitter account, on my Facebook account, and on my Instagram later this week. So follow me at Seth underscore Everett. Go to ignitioncasino.eu and log in with the password underdog21. It's a lot of information, and we're going to recap some of it at the end of the podcast. I feel like uh, doing a, pulling a Ralph Garman and putting the show on hold so people can catch up. Uh, but basically, just go to ignitioncasino.eu and sign in with the password underdog21. Everything else I'll put on social media. All right, now on to the main event. We are with uh, voice acting royalty. He's also a musician. <laughs> He's been in radio. Uh, we are pleased on the Hall of Justice. I mean, we've had some 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 big heavy hitters in terms of uh, voice acting before. Uh, we've had Rob Paulson and Jess Harnell, and we've had uh, Kevin Conroy on the show and George Newbern. But uh, I mean, folks, Billy West is with us here ah. on the podcast. Uh, Space Jam is being re-released. There's a new Space Jam coming. He was on the. He was Bugs Bunny. He's been in, of course, Futurama, Ren and Stimpy. He's been Woody Woodpecker. There's, there's no limits. And I, I know I'm going to go down a rabbit hole and ask him about Howard Stern. But we are pleased to welcome Billy West to the hey. podcast. <laughs> Thank you, you so much for doing this, man. Oh, my pleasure. You know, you forgot about Space Jam. I get to work with Michael Jordan too, Doc. The closest thing to a religious figure that we have. <laughs> <laughs> if you do the voices all day, I'm just going to sit here like a kid in a kid. I'm not. In, I'm not in the Space Jam too, so I might as well just do them for the Space Jam one. Oh, there you go. Um, you yeah, know, you, you with Mike with Michael Jordan, and the, you know, it was so funny because they revisited uh, the Space Jam, the making of Space Jam during that Last Dance documentary. Uh -huh. um, about Jordan's entire career. And there wow. was a big chunk. And what Michael Jordan was doing at the time was uh, trying to see what his connection to basketball was. And all of the basketball players that came in, he challenged them to games on that practice court. And wow. there's footage of that because that's an all-star game that's better than any all-star game like that was oh. they played for real and it's yeah it's, it's, it's amazing you I never up saw Michael that. Jordan, but it's so wild <clears throat> to think about i never saw that but I, i'd enjoy it how did you uh get started in the voice acting was it radio that got you into voice acting because you know just because you have a great radio voice doesn't mean that you can be an actor true yeah, because um, one of the characters I do on Futurama is an amalgam of all the big, dumb disc jockeys that I grew up listening to. The guys who just love the sound of their own voice, like to Zach carry Brannigan, their balls right? in a barrel. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, coming up after uh, 12 noon, well, it's about five minutes past the big hour, 12 noon, Rooney. 
And this is Johnny Bannon, the human cannon, saying what's in you has got to come out, and this rock and roll is all about. Before we eat the slop, we got some friends here. Mr. Roy Overson, 1961, CBS FM. First no, I, time. I, I, I used to say, who talks like this? I said, these guys are like so jive. But that's all we, we had. You know, that's all I had growing up. I grew up in the 50s and, and uh, you know, heard lots of radio. And those guys all kind of sounded like that. That was the school. The, uh, I remember the first time I ever hosted a nationally syndicated radio show. I was mm -hmm. obsessed with the clock. And I would oh, say, right. it's four o'clock on the east, one o'clock on the west. And if you're somewhere in between, it's sometime in between. That's funny. <laughs> well, it's better than saying, um, um, so, um, oh, no, no, no. But one thing I do remember, and it was motivation to start this podcast is when, when sport, when, you know, I, I, I got into the business in the nineties and sports radio was a burgeoning business. That's not right. what it used to be. And I remember I made a Batman reference once on a on a on a football show and they were like, you do not talk about superheroes. We are men and we talk about sports. And I love to shove this podcast up all of their noses because the, the idea that you can be in this genre and still have an appreciation for the business is fascinating. Well, I see those guys in the morning, you know, like work when I'm working out, I'll, I'll see the sports network on TV and all these guys, these peripheral ones who pop in and go, well, you know, it isn't like, like you're talking about the Ron Guidry fastball here. You know, <laughs> I mean, they look so happy to be doing anything. They've got <laughs> grins on their face. They look like they're going to shit. They're so happy, you know? So, I mean, how serious could it be? I can just imagine um, so you start out in radio and you became a regular on the Howard Stern show yes. and you were doing all kinds of different voices there. Is mm -hmm. that how the voice acting got? No, take me through no. the transition if you can. No, I was um, I, I was doing this same kind of stuff when I was five years old. You know, I was like a little freak. I, I was just like toreting out voices and noises and, you know wanted to play the piano, bang on the piano, wanted to play the guitar, play the guitar. Um, you could lock me in a closet and I would just talk to myself for hours, not come out, <laughs> not want to come out um, because I was on the autism spectrum, <laughs> which I found out a few years ago, which explains everything to me. Yeah, I saw some, I read some articles where you were talking about that. Yeah, so you've got like storage rooms in your head that you're the only one in the world that has the key to and uh, they're loaded with gifts, you know? It's just whether you get to them or not, and, and I'm not heavy on the autism spectrum, I'm, I'm functioning, but, but when I was growing up, I mean, everything was uh, asked backwards to me. I, I, I couldn't figure out, I couldn't make sense of anything. I couldn't tie my shoes, you know? I mean, I just wondered why is everything so friggin' hard? But I, but I always, had like characters and voices and stuff in my head and we used to uh I used to watch channel nine from Windsor Canada it was okay. CKLW I grew up in Detroit and they used to show Looney Tunes cartoons and those were prints of prints of prints you know films of films of films sure they were. there was nothing left of those Warner Brothers cartoons except protons by the time we got to see them and you now know, they've but, re but re restored a lot of them for HBO Max oh. And, it, and it's so impressive to see yeah. these restored anything. 
uh, Hanna-Barbera, you know, Universal. All of it is so filmically beautiful and the colors are brighter than the sun. And, uh, but, but here they are, the Warner Brothers. I could hear them perfectly well, but it was very hard. They were tough on the eye to watch back then. And plus the, the, the station had snow on it because we were in Detroit. Sure. You know, and and they, we had the two rabbit ear antennas. And, you know, there are people listening to this that are like, what's an antenna? Yeah, I know. Because they know. don't have cable anymore. 35% of households don't have cable anymore, which means they definitely don't know what broadcast television was. No. And someday they won't know what a broadcast is. Right. When, when we're just beaming shit to each other's heads. Well, sport, that's sports ratings are all down, but yet the brands are still high because people are watching it on Instagram and TikTok right. and things like that. They're not watching the live broadcast anymore. I know. Which is why world, slower sports like baseball are dead. Yeah, the, the world is leaving me behind slowly. <laughs> <laughs> um, t- t- take us through um, how you got involved with Howard Stern. Um, well, I was... Um, I grew up in Detroit and, uh, and I used to do voices and characters and noise. I was always trying to invent things. I was always like trying to figure out how to walk on the ceiling. And I used to do tricks with mirrors under my eyes. And I used to spend hours walking up and down halls, like, like feeling like I was walking on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And this was all like virtual reality stuff, but I, but I couldn't let it go. I used to, you know, I fell down a staircase thinking it was a solid, floor ahead of me <laughs> you know really you can get killed doing those things yeah. but i didn't know i didn't know if, I want, if my I kids are listening to... yes don't try that at home no don't try that at home but it did give me the feeling that you were walking on the ceiling and that you were weightless and then if you tilted the mirror another direction you could have like a solid wall right in front of you and and if you walk <laughs> down the hall it was like wading through solid objects Waiting through solid matter. And that used to blow my mind. And I spent like countless hours doing that stuff. Um, you know, so most kids were out playing and so needless to say, but uh, I had an interest in music and art and I wanted to paint and draw and I did all those things. And then I learned how to play uh, guitar. I played trumpet when I was 11 and that didn't last too long, but um, I got a hold of a guitar when I was about 15 and started playing and uh, I got to be really good, you know, as a musician. And um, I played with Brian Wilson, you know, the Beach Boys. I was like the lead guitarist in his band for like six gigs. Uh-huh. And he was one of my idols. So, you know, I, I had a background in that. I, I came up in Boston. I knew Aerosmith, those guys. I knew them when they were making their first album. You know, and Pete Wolf from the Jay Giles band. They were all my friends, still are. Mm-hmm. Um, but we all knew each other. Wow. And, um, you know, so anyway, I got into radio in 1980. I was playing music and I just said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, and I, and I, and I was kind of funny. I just didn't know if I w- was professionally funny. And I wasn't funny on stage, you know, because I was swinging with every pitch and I tried too hard. So I had to find something in the middle. So radio, I found out, was the thing for me. I, I would get behind a mic and there was just no problems at all. You could start creating worlds, you know. And um, Theater of the mind, they call it. Yes. And I, and I took to it like crazy. And another guy who 
who also did, who was a phenom, was Howard Stern. So I wound up with him. I guess, you know, energy kind of seeks its, its, its own energy. You know, it's like it kind of had to happen. Mm. Um, coming from Boston, I wound up in New York. And in the Stern show, you know, hey, Robin, I just farted. <laughs> you know, it's the Stern show, Idiot's and Guide you, to the Stern Show. And you guys, <laughs> but but what you guys were doing, he brought you in to do voices. Yes, and characters. The Three and, Stooges? Yes, all of that stuff, but it, but it went way, way beyond all that. Um, you know, I wanted to take the show into hyperspace. And I wasn't originally convinced that I should even be on that show. I was, I was looking at it from outside the window, you know, with my nose pressed up the glass. I used to say, oh, look at how much fun they're having. Oh, it's so beautiful. You know, and then one day, because um, I was working at the station, I was thinking of leaving because I was working on Ren and Stimpy. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, you know, we asked, I asked Howard, you know, what do you think if I come in like three days a week to be on your show? Just be on your show. He said, yeah. So, you know, that's how that got started. And I was going back and forth doing Ren and Stimpy and Doug. And, uh, you know, and I auditioned for those things while I was with Stern. Nickelodeon was going to have a three cartoon Sunday morning animation block. And they were going to do everything that the networks weren't doing. Jerry Laborn was a genius. You know, she said, whatever it is the, the networks are doing on Saturday mornings, we're going to do it exact opposite you know, and do uh, uh, creator driven shows and and take away like the sticky sweetness that that Saturday mornings had dissolved into, mm -hmm. devolved into. And yeah. um, so they, so I wound up on two of them, Ren and Stimpy and Doug, and, uh, but I was still working in the radio. So, you know, I was always doing those things. I worked in Boston on radio you know, 1980, like I said. Uh, so I, I was used to all that stuff. Um, you know, we, we, we're, we're bouncing around. Um, whose idea was it for you to play Marge Schott? I'm a sports guy, and I've, I've covered baseball for a long time. Marge Schott, one of the most controversial figures uh, going. Uh, how did that, if, you, if you'll indulge me, just how did that come about? Yes. Um, well, we've heard rumblings you know of cincinnati about this manager marge shot uh who would have like six or seven drinks and then decide to talk to interviewers after hours she was a she was, and yeah, she, she let was the, the n-word yeah. fly and she was cantankerous she was the original karen you know what i mean yep. she had an issue totally. with everybody totally <laughs> That's a I great think, analogy. I think if she were alive today, she'd walk up to a crowd of black people stirring a teacup going, go to the sunken place. Okay. But she was like, you know, uh, it was like almost impossible to believe that somebody could act out like that. And to be none that of us, disgusting? Yeah, we had no idea what she sounded like. At least I didn't. And Howard said, hey, you know that Boston lady you do? Because I grew up in Boston too. Mm -hmm. um, I, I used to do this Boston woman that, that hated black people and oh, she, she didn't want them on her beach and she didn't want them shopping in the stores with them. And it was, it's, it's like so funny because it's almost cartoony. Mm. And so he said, why don't you just do that voice for Marge shot? And then it just took off from there. I went off on these crazy excursions, but 
you know, I mean, I would never do something like that. You can't, you can't do that now. This was back then and, and it was based on somebody who did that and we were pointing up the grotesqueness of it. Yeah, yeah. You were trying to yeah, expose it. Um, again, uh, th this might be a little bit inside baseball, but uh, did you know Larry Kenny and Rob Bartlett? I interned in 1994 for Imus, for Imus. Oh, wow. Morning, and um, got a chance to see that world. I met Charles McCord yes. and and uh, and I, 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 I just didn't really turn to uh to talk to interns at the time, but uh, but the the rest of that crew, I met Mike Breen there. He's now the voice of the NBA. Um, wow. Did you guys? But but Larry Kenny was doing kind of like what you were doing, where he would play right. different characters. Dude, did, did you guys commiserate at all? Or no, I didn't know him then. I think I met him after that. After okay, and and told him that I had an appreciation of what he did, you know, and. Uh, God bless anybody that wants to do that for a living. You know, <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a wild life. It, the deal with the internship was you had to work different day parts. Like you couldn't do mornings. You had to do one morning a week. You'd have to do one afternoon, one night, one overnight. Like you did different things. And WFAN was a, 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 a training ground, you know, for uh, learning about the radio, uh, the radio business. What um, year was this? It was the summer of 94. And for sports fans listening, um, I always say, you know, there were people who had more talent or this, this. I, I didn't say I had the best internship. But in that summer, the New York Rangers won the Stanley Cup. The New York Knicks went to the NBA finals. OJ Simpson happened and yes. the baseball strike. And I covered all four as an intern. I wow. got out of that internship and I had had a career's worth of experience. I'll I, say I, I was at the Rangers parade. I went to the last baseball game before the strike. I, the, the, and my OJ story, I, I love the OJ Simpson story. There was a guy who was doing updates at the time. His name was Paul Olden. And I, your job as an intern was to answer the phone. Right. And uh, so you answer the phone and a guy from the stock exchange called the station and he says, hey, there's a big rumor going around. O.J. Simpson killed his wife and a friend. And I went, whoa. And I said, thank you very much. We'll look into it. And I hung up and I went over. And that guy, Paul, who's a longtime radio guy, and he said, he said, son. And I remember that he called me son. Mm -hmm. And he said, son, you have to learn to have a nose for news. O.J. Simpson couldn't have killed her, his wife. <laughs> I know OJ Simpson. Don't chase red herrings. And I went, what? <laughs> oh boy. And we sat on mis that misplaced morning, idolatry. We sat on we sat on it. And now he is the public address announcer at the new Yankee Stadium. And I will go into the press box, see him. We will have not seen each other for 12 months or whatever it is. And I will still say, uh, Mr. Olden, you still think OJ didn't do it, right? <laughs> oh man. So, I thought you were going to tell me that he wound up to be the curator of, no, no. you know, OJ's, whatever's left of his earthly possessions. No, no. All right. Uh, a, co a couple of uh, uh, voice stuff, and I want to finish up with Space Jam. Uh, number mm -hmm. one, you started out voicing Stimpy, but eventually called, uh, voiced both, correct? Yes. Well, originally I was supposed to do both voices. Um, I auditioned for both, but, but when... John Kay was selling the show, John Chris Felusi. We were in New York City and we went to MTV, which is in Times Square. Yep. And uh, he was going to have a meeting with the women from Nickelodeon. 
about the show. And um, we wound up going in a closet at the last minute, setting up a mop and a pail, just like the movies with a microphone attached to it. And I'm reading in this stuff, this cramped little closet, like the Stooges, you know, and I'm going, hey, when, you know, and, uh, and I had to do both voices. So he brought the tape in and he came out and he said, congratulations, what you did just help sell the show oh, wow. and I said wow cool but then it turns out that he wanted to do the Ren voice and I really didn't I didn't give a shit because I had a job you know sure I didn't care I didn't care who did what to tell you the truth I just was happy and uh and then he um kind of created his own problems with Nickelodeon and they got rid of him and then they said well wasn't Billy supposed to do the other voice originally and they so that's how you did it went back to me and uh, so that's how that happened. You know, hey, Ren, will you button me? You shut up, you fool! Yes, I shall kill you! You <laughs> idiot. I love it. Uh, have you seen the new Nickelodeon documentary, uh, The Orange Years? No. No, I haven't. It's on uh, Hulu, and it's a great documentary about the formation of Nickelodeon. And there's a huge chunk of it. And I, I, if I had known I was having you on then, I, I would have seen this documentary differently. But Red and Stimpy play a big role at the end, you know, because originally they didn't have any money to do animation. But then eventually when they had a little bit of success, they chose to go the animation route. And it's a, it's a fascinating uh, leap because a lot of insiders at the time probably would have advised against that. And what yes. turned out to be their greatest risk turned out to be their greatest success. Um, isn't it funny how stuff like that works out? Yeah, isn't it? You know, it's a case of somebody and people just thinking too much. That's, you know, <laughs> absolutely. Rather, rather than going with gut feelings about stuff. Absolutely. You know, it's absolutely. like, that's amazing. No, wait, don't say that yet. <laughs> We have to think this. We have to think this through. That's wild. Um, how did Futurama uh, come about? Um, they were having auditions. Matt Groening was going to do his next cartoon after The Simpsons. And um, I got sent over to Fox and I walked in the room. There was about a hundred other people in there. People like oh, Ryan Stiles, you know, people like that. Oh, I said to myself, oh, oh man, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I think I'm going to leave right now because... Uh, you know, he'll mop the floor with this audition. Forget about it. Wow. And there were lots of other people there. So I went in and I did like three or four characters and they showed me pictures of the characters. And next thing you know, I got hired to do like two of them. And then after the first table read, they decided that they wanted me to do uh, Philip J. Fry as well as Zoidberg and the professor. But, so but then, uh... And then Zap Brannigan came later Phil Hartman was going to do that, but right, you know, right. unfortunately, uh, and I knew him. He was a real, real hell of a guy. He was a oh, nice, really? nice guy, generous of spirit. He called me up when I lived in Manhattan. My wife said, "Guess who called here looking for you?" And I said, "Who?" She said, "Phil Hartman." I said, "You know how many oh, wow. guys I know that could pull a joke like that?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I really did. Right, because you were said, doing no. Stern at the time. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so I said, somebody's pulling your leg. And uh, she said, no, it was him. He wants you to give him a call. He just called to say hello to you. And I, and I was like, wow. So I called him back and he said, no, I know who you are. I said, I kind of know who you are, too. You know, you took the spark plugs to that car Saturday Night Live when you left. Um, but, you know, he was he was a super nice guy, super generous of spirit as a performer. And uh, we did an M&M's commercial 
But he told me, he said, you want to you come you were, out to you LA? Were, you were red, right? You were the red M&M? Yeah, still. <laughs> Nowadays, uh, animation is recorded separately. Um, I've done, I, I've had a lot, like I said, we've had probably dozens of, of voice actors uh, on the show. And a lot of the mm -hmm. newer uh, people who are promoting new content, a lot of the DC animated movies, they'd never meet their their castmates. They, they're, they're all done uh, separately. And, you know, a lot of times it's in different cities. Uh, was Futurama done like a radio play? Like, were you all in, in, in the same room? And yes. what was that experience like? Well, I mean, that's pretty much how everything was done. Um, you know, like the Simpsons was like that. And uh, well, Ren and Stimpy was pretty much like that. Yeah, it was pretty much me on Ren and Stimpy. So I'd right. go through the script once as a character and then through it another character and sometimes maybe four times through with four different characters. Um, Futurama, I did the characters that's in real time. to your ability, my friend. Well, I did the characters in real time on Futurama. So if there was four pages of dialogue where there was just me, uh, I'd have to talk to myself. And I and I and I enjoyed it because I don't know how to do anything else. It was a challenge, you know? right? Uh, yeah, a little bit of a challenge, but it but it was like so much fun to to express myself like that. And uh, I couldn't believe it, how much fun it was. And then, um, you know, um, let's see. Let's see. Yeah. The COVID threw an ax into everything. I had been working out of my house for the last year doing disenchantment and doing M&M's commercials and stuff like that, That's you know, great. but now we'll be back in the studios soon. I, I have gone back to the studio to do um, disenchantment work oh, good. Uh, with Matt. Yeah. That's great. Uh, that's yeah. Great. I'm happy for that. I mean, it was a whole year of, I don't know. It just felt so weird being home. I know nobody wants to go back to work, but I can't, I couldn't wait. <laughs> yeah. You it's know, a, it's, it's so funny. Different thing and yes. Uh, on this podcast, we are very pro vaccination. So please, I hope uh, everybody listening gets uh, vaccinated and uh, trust me, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a sense of relief. Um, yes. People ask me like you go into places and there are some places I'm still wearing a mask, but only like, when it's really tight quarters and it's not really yes. about COVID anymore. It's more like, you know, I, I don't know. My kid got a cold that hasn't happened in 16 months. You know, I know it, it, these masks are, are, are pretty handy. Uh, they, 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 are. They, they come in, in, in handy uh, and there's definitely something to them. And, but I don't think about crowds anymore. Like I, I, I go to a place and there's a bunch of people and people say, did you feel unsafe? I don't care. I'm vaccinated. I'm fine. That's right. Well, it feels good, but you are a guy. So you, um, you know, <laughs> of all people know what guys are like in the bathroom. You know, <laughs> I mean, everybody should be scared to death. Right. You should wear a hazmat creeping suit. crud, you know, it's like I'll be at the sink washing my hands and like five guys will come shooting out of the stall and go right out the door and use the phone. Yep. You know, sit down at the table, start pawing the silverware, and it's like, oh! Did you um? Did you see? Uh, so, so you live in California now, correct? Yes, yes. My favorite images of COVID, and I, I, I literally, this was the funniest thing about COVID. COVID's very sad, and a lot of people died. Oh, totally. Uh, it's 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 an awful story, but there was one thing that I cracked up because in the very, very, very beginning they would have video on the local New York news 
of people in hazmat suits cleaning the inside of the subway. And I said, that's not COVID. They're looking for HIV, Ebola, and the Spanish flu is in that is in those subway cars. Those subway cars are the grossest places ever. And just the thought that some guy had to scrub those places that made me crack up. That made me I laugh in, to know. I end. lived in New York. I lived in the belly of the beast, man. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, uh, you were called. This is my segue to Space Jam. Uh, you were called in 1998 the next Mel Blanc. Really? Uh, Entertainment Weekly called it uh, because of your ability to mimic well-known voices. Um, well, what was it like? What was it? Um, it's an inherent skill that really can't be taught, can it? Um, no, I don't think so. Because because whenever they want to cast a celebrity for a, a, an animated voice, don't count on them to replicate characters because they just simply can't do it. You know, they, they hire these people because they think that it'll put more asses in the seats. So it'll be like Will Smith is a goldfish and, you know, what's his name is uh, a palm tree or what, you know what I mean? Um, it's celeb stunt casting. Uh, I think that it's almost like I wouldn't know how to teach instinct. You know, it's right. like you either have it or you don't. It's kind a of talent. Thing. Yeah, it's a ta it's a talent, you know. Yeah, and I'm not kissing your ass. It, it, there's a real thing. <clears throat> but when they called me the next Mel Blanc, it was like I I didn't bristle. I was honored out of my mind. But the thing is, is that you can't be the next Mel Blanc by running around doing Mel Blanc voices. Do you know what I mean? Well, so but I, for Space Jam, that's kind of what you're doing. Right. But but I preferred in my heart of hearts to create voices like Mel Blanc did. He wasn't imitating anybody. There's no, there's no, no secret uh, whatsoever. Um, it, how did Space Jam come about? And was that, you know, how much exposure did you have to the live action stuff because you're acting up against them? Did they have, like, is it like David Prowse doing Darth Vader and James Earl Jones comes in later? Or is, no. it, how, how well, do they yeah, do Space in a Jam? Way. In a way, um, it came about because I, like I said, I was working on the Stern show and um, um, Ivan Reitman, the producer came in because he was producing Howard's movie, Private Parts. And he got a load of me on the air. He didn't know what we did, like how we did what we did. Why does how all much this... of it was pre-recorded versus live? No, no, none of it was pre-recorded. It was just like right. somebody would get an idea and it would be like St. Elmo's fire. It used to... Just Larry Kenny used to pre-record stuff and they would play it and it was hysterical <clears throat> to the listener, but those guys used that as their coffee breaks. Yes, but um, but we um, would get going on something and it would just go off into the stratosphere and I would throw my two cents in and, and you know, and when he deferred, when Howard would defer to me, I would just take off like a rocket. And um, and he saw that, Ivan Reitman saw that stuff, so he asked me to audition for Space Jam. That's how that happened. And um, what is it like for you as an animation fan to then voice Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd, like these these icons that you, you know, that we're coming full circle because you watch that stuff uh, yes. when, when you were growing up and you had all this energy. You mentioned you mentioned that and you would yeah. imitate these names. And now it's Bugs Bunny, but that's you. 
Yes. Um, that was a very strange thing. Um, it was surreal. The whole thing is surreal. Everything I, I do mean, is and surreal. And I'm not putting down Futurama or Ren and Stimpy or Doug, but those are new properties. Bugs Bunny right. is classic. Right. But I didn't create it. So I had to always remember that, that I was a day player. You know, they could get rid of me any day of the week that they wanted. And I was well aware of that. It's just, you can't lay claim to a character that you didn't create. I had emotional resonance for the character out of respect and love, but not as much as I do for my own characters. But yes, it was, it was a high honor to replicate that. And, and the thing is, when I was doing it, every other person that stuck their head in the door when I was recording was like, he sounds too Jewish. You know, or, or he sounds too cute. He's from Brooklyn. He's not supposed to be cute. And then somebody else would come in. Um, I would um, I would make him a little less vulgar, you know, and it's like I'm thinking, oh, shit, it. the lot of you. And Rob Paulson uh, and, and Jess Harnell came on when Animaniacs got rebooted. It just seems like with streaming services, there's everything that's old is new again and everything's right. being brought back. And I, I think it's great. There's there's you know, that's one thing about the pandemic that I didn't understand when people were watching old time games like classic baseball games. And I'm like, what are you doing? There's a treasure trove of content out there. And mm -hmm. I just refound um, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yes. And and uh, Harvey Birdman. And I had yeah. never seen those shows because I, I was traveling and I was single back then. I never saw yeah. those shows. But oh, my God, are they funny? Oh, yeah, they're they're wonderful. There's enough stuff to last you the rest of your life. You know, and you dotage, you'd be laying in a beach house, you know, you'd be 80 and you you go to the, you totally. know, on demand channel and and sit there and spend the rest of your life, totally, um, totally. which I could actually love getting behind i legally <laughs> retired you know i didn't retire at 65 i waited till i was almost 70 and so recently i took my social security the only reason i bring this up is because i didn't retire from working and doing shows and voiceover right right, right 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 i just wanted to get my social security because i've been working like a dog since i was 15 <laughs> yep. you know and i don't want the republicans to swipe it <laughs> i just don't you're not taking that money, you bums. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, that the that and the other beauty about being almost seventy is uh, all my life I waited so I could call some other guy's son. <laughs> Look, son, you know, you wait your whole life for that moment. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, you know, the forty-year-old guy. Look, son. No, I the first time I felt like a like a like my dad was uh, I kept telling my kids to shut the light. Shut the light, shut the light. You're not in the room anymore. Shut the light. And and, and my father used to say, close the light, close, <laughs> close the light. OK, dad, I put clothes on the light. It's dimmer in right. here. What should I do now? That's right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Congratulations on your iconic career. Oh, uh, thank you. Space very, Jam very is much. back out. Uh, there's going to be a link to uh, acquire the new 4K version of Space Jam uh, in the show notes. But uh, we, uh, Billy West, thank you so much for doing this. And I'll make you a deal. If you're retired, 
uh, come back to the show and let's 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 do more because there's so many things. I feel like we glossed over a bunch of topics, but there's so many other things that I'd love to uh, to get your thoughts on. And uh, you're a great asset to the show. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I, I'm you know, I mean, I'm working all the time. I only I only officially retired because of the age thing. I didn't want to sit around and know that I could be making a monthly check, you know, it's not like it gets much bigger after a certain age. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take it. I know guys that, that took their after SAG pension. One guy, Nick Jameson, who was an unbelievably great voice guy, moved to Iceland with his money. My favorite story, you meant, you mentioned SAG-AFTRA. Um, yes. When the pandemic hit and they were changing all the things with health insurance and all that, it was a big public story. Uh, they brought in the former SAG-AFTRA president, because uh, yes. now it's Gabrielle Carteris, but the former yeah. SAG-AFTRA president, Barry Gordon. Yes. Who is, he's a Ninja Turtle. That's right. So voice actors rule the world, but literally Barry Gordon, who's been, was on All in the Family, I might add. And yeah. you're hearing these instructions, like this is the new rules, and this is how you get your health insurance, and this is how you this. And in these SAG-AFTRA meetings hosted by Barry Gordon, and I'm getting a kick out of it because I'm like, this should be a Hall of Justice podcast. Like, what are you doing? I know. It's like, if you break your leg on a set. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, Gabby Carteris also did some cartoon stuff. I worked with her on a cartoon once. Oh, that's so cool. yeah, it's all it's all good company. You it's know? All, right, it's all in the family. No pun intended. Uh, Billy West, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I look thank forward you, to Seth. talking I to you really again. Appreciated it. That is an iconic voice artist, Billy West, here on the podcast. Our thanks to Billy. Don't forget, after this episode, we are going to go over the rules for the poker tournament. Also, next week on the Hall of Justice, we're talking about the Sopranos and that new trailer for the many saints of Newark. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you rate and review. Make sure you check us next week. Okay, don't forget, the tournament Sunday, July 11th, 3.05 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12.05 Pacific. The Underdog Free Roll Invitational presented by Ignition Casino. Go to ignitioncasino.eu. Go to the Scheduled Tournaments Poker Lobby, and you'll find the tournament under the Regular tab. You register with the password Underdog21. You can register now. Again. Go to ignitioncasino.eu and use the password underdog21. Register for the poker tournament. There's a bounty on the hosts, and we will have all the details on my social media, at Seth underscore Everett. Just go to the website, ignitioncasino.eu, and use the password underdog21.